All right, welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. Be sure to like and subscribe, all that good stuff. So, man, it is a great day. Um, Since the last time I recorded an episode, fucking amazing news. Derek Carr is officially fucking gone from my old Raiders. Man. That son of a bitch has, man, that, God, that son of a bitch has given me so much stress in the last 10 years. He's, he's for sure shaved off 10 years from my life, without a doubt. Now, couple that with the Marlboros and Taco Bell, <laughs> that gives me probably about, 45 minutes left. <laughs> Man, oh my God. It is. Whew, I'm so glad. I'll feed her Zane dickweed. Dude, that motherfucker has. Man. Ah, I'm glad. Like, it is. It's so hard being a Raiders fan. Like, y'all motherfuckers don't know. Y'all don't know how good you have it. And I don't. I mean, and I'm talking about any team. Like any team in the NFL has it better than the fucking Raiders. I mean, hey, <laughs> have fun in uh the big sleazy. Jesus, <laughs> I mean, New Orleans is such a fucking shithole. Like that's where I mean, look, hey, Derek Carr's probably a great guy, probably a nice guy to be around. <laughs> There ain't a Super Bowl for fucking nice dudes. <laughs> I mean, you know, if. Like, there are moments where Derek Carr was really impressive. Like, I'm not going to say it was just all shit. Part of what made it so stressful is that you don't know going into a game whether or not Derek Carr is going to throw 10 interceptions in a row or 10 touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, and they should—they might go back and forth. Like, you will see some of the greatest throws ever, and then the next play, see him throw it 15 yards away from someone right into the fucking cornerback's hands, just right in the damn diamond. I'm just, hey, I don't know who the fuck we're going to get. Probably Jimmy G, if I had to um, make a guess. Which, who knows? I mean, that may be known by the time this comes out. If they don't just draft, which I think they should probably just draft. Like, move up and pick, like, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, somebody like that. I mean, they're not going to get number one, and that's going to be Bryce Young, most likely. Well-deserved. But... You know, Aaron Rodgers ain't coming to the fucking Raiders. As much as I hoped he would, it ain't happening. Um, I mean, hey, good luck <laughs> good luck playing on the fucking Jets, dude. I mean, who am I to really say anything? Boy, oh boy. So, already, this this is how happy I am. I, om- like, I almost pulled a fucking Nicolas Cage. Watch this shit. So... I found this video the other day, and I was like, dude, actors 
are the weirdest fucking people on the planet. I mean, when you play make-believe for a living and get paid $50 million to do it, shit's going to get a little screwy up in the old up in the old dome. And Nicolas Cage is no exception. This is Nicolas Cage go, being introduced for some like BBC uh, talk show. I believe this is in the early 2000s, maybe late 90s. But just watch this. This is this was my reaction to finding out that Derek Carr was fucking out of there. Uh, here. Welcome, Nicholas Cage. Watch this. Shit. <laughs> he just starts throwing money out. I guess. The Elvis kicks. I mean, what well, the fuck? Okay, so, yeah. That 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 is how I felt inside. Whenever I learned that, you know, maybe the Raiders have a fucking chance. Probably not, but yeah. I honestly thought that once Al Davis finally kicked the bucket, that maybe we would have a shot. Turns out his son's just as much of a dipshit. The Raiders. So, um, goddamn. So I got into a bit of an argument with a friend who was basically shitting on the fact that. So, in case anyone doesn't know about this shit, which I'm sure everyone does, but Leonardo DiCaprio has a tendency to date. Really young women. This friend of mine's argument, which after hearing the argument, I'm sorting like kind of starting to doubt the uh, the friendship thing. But <laughs> the friend's argument was that basically that it was disgusting that he's a grown man he shouldn't be dating like these young women. My argument <laughs> is that this son of a bitch is doing exactly what he should be doing. He is, without a doubt, one of the top five most famous actors of all time. Talent-wise, fame-wise, money-wise, he is he's on the Mount Rushmore. So top four greatest actors of all time. He has been like a fucking heartthrob since he was a kid. Why the what what should Leonardo DiCaprio be doing other than banging fucking 19, 20 year olds? Like now, look, is it for me? No, I go the opposite. <laughs> Give me someone in their early fifties that's just happy I'm there. <laughs> that's that's all I need. I mean, but you know, I'm also not fucking famous and and not good looking. So if I had both of those things, fuck yeah. I mean, I still don't know that I would be you know going that low. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty fucking young. I you know, like I I don't know what the fucker should be doing to make people happy. The only way some of these motherfuckers, like, and it's always you know, no offense, but it's always pretty unattractive women who are pissed off that Leonardo DiCaprio is dating these like young supermodels. It's like, hey, you know, they're not stealing him from you. <laughs> Like, sorry, but, but I don't think this motherfucker's trying to date a uh, single mom who works at Chili's that's got a fucking, uh, 
rose tattoo cut in half by a C-section scar. I, I you know, I mean, they're not. He he ain't in your area. Let's just say that. Like, I mean, you might get fucking. I don't know, Danny Bonaduce or something, but I mean, Leo, it ain't happening. I mean, I think the dude is living the fucking life he should be living, and you know it, what's interesting is that, like for me myself, I have you know what's the there's like a rule like a number or like a formula for finding out like how young you should go. I mean, I don't necessarily buy into that. I mean, a lot of it depends on the person. But I'm not... I could not go lower than... See, I'm 29. It'd be real fucking hard for me to, like, go lower than 26, 25. I think. Now, granted, I have always had a thing for older women. Um, which I've talked about ad nauseum. Uh... So maybe that's part of it, but I just like, I don't have anything in common with people my age, let alone some some fucking chick who's like, like, do you think somewhere right now, like as envious as we all are of Leonardo DiCaprio, somewhere right now he is laying in a bed having to watch a fucking 18 year old, maybe 19 year old, like try to beg him to learn a TikTok dance with him. (laughs) <laughs> like, like, just begging, oh, please, just l- learn this dance. Like, and then having to just sit there and watch her do some fucking, you know, TikTok dance for four hours and him just sitting there just chain smoking. Like, holy fuck. <laughs> I should have fucked Kate Winslet when I had the chance. <laughs> oh, man, poor guy. But, like, it's funny that the people who are, you know, a lot of the people too who were shitting on this whole idea of like Leo banging young supermodels, they're saying, you know, in a way being a bit fucking misogynistic themselves. And a lot of these are like, you know, older women who were like, oh my God, he's manipulating them. They're young. They don't know anything. They're adults. Now, it'd be different <laughs> if the fucker was R. Kellying it and, you know, waiting outside of a junior high. I mean, they're adults. So, and these people are the same people who, whenever, like, an older woman dates a younger guy, so, like, Kate Beckinsale, you know, staring lovingly into those fucking two assholes on Pete Davidson's face. You know, nobody was shitting on that. These same people were like, oh, you know, you go, girl, like, getting her a younger man. It's like, well, okay, so what you're doing by saying that is that because that's not any in any way a manipulation, a power move, power grab, like using someone's, you know, fame to manipulate them. That doesn't count. And these women that Leo's banging are famous. I mean, they're not like, most of them, I don't think, are like actors and shit. But they are famous. Like, they're famous models. So, it's not like he's, you know, going to a fucking Barnes & Noble and like, you know kind of tricking some 18-year-old into fucking him because he's famous. Like, these women are famous also and have pretty good amount of money, I imagine. 
But what you're doing by shitting on him, but not women like Kate Beckinsale and all the other fucking like Madonna, who's banged. I mean, she's ran through every fucking busboy in the Lower East Side. Um, Cher, Cher's right now fucking like a young dude. Nobody shitting on that because they're in their minds, intentional or not, are basically equating the maturity of a 40-year-old woman to a young man and vice versa. Like, saying that these women who are adults, the ones that Leo's banging, are not as mentally mature as the young men that people like Cher are banging. And, you know, Kay Beckinsale and Madonna, like... You're putting a double standard that is a bit misogynistic. <laughs> so, there you go. Fuck you. And it just proves misogyny. It can be fun. <laughs> no, I'm, that's a joke, of course. Um, everyone's the same in every way imaginable. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, fucking wild. That burp was odd. I will say my breakfast this morning is, um, so I ate, well, prior to breakfast, um, last night I ate some tacos that I put this salsa on that I am not a hundred percent sure was, um, edible. (laughs) And, oh boy. Like, if you can see sweat in my, you know, in my creases, it's not hot in here. I am just, my body is trying to just rid itself of everything that's inside of it. Like, I am, boy, I am burning through toilet paper right now. (laughs) Like, there's about to be another fucking TP shortage. And it ain't going to be from the old C-vid. Man, I, God, I'm hurting right now. Oh, boy, oh, boy. But, you know, that's that's life. <laughs> to be honest, I feel a bit delirious. Like, I mean, my asshole hurts so fucking bad right now. Sitting down right now, like, I feel like Edward Norton in uh, American History X... After I mean, well, that that was a bad example. <laughs> it was just the first person I could think of in mind that got butt fucked uh, against their will. Um, <laughs> but like, whenever he goes to sit down at the lunch, and he's like, ah, "That's how it felt sitting <laughs> getting into this chair." I, um, yeah, it feels like there's a dragon like trying to climb its way out of my asshole right now. And every once in a while, like hiccups, it just goes and gets a little, uh, a little Elon Musk flamethrower action. I'm gonna have to get rid of this chair. Uh, <laughs> uh, post up, post up. So um, that is the main shit that I wanted to talk about in the old, uh, you know, what's going on in the world section. So. Um, That'll be in the end of this part. 
now we'll uh, continue a little did you know. Uh, I got three pretty fucking interesting ones. One founding father, one professional baseball player, and one a fucking wild origin story of a company that, well, you probably have never heard of, but you will start seeing it everywhere. So, with that being said, time for some uh, Did You Knows. Alright, so, first one up. Founding father, American icon. Um, I mean, arguably one of the most famous founding fathers to have never been president. Benjamin Franklin. So there's already, I'm sure, some knowledge of Benjamin Franklin's um, escapades. Everybody knows about... I mean, I think people mostly know he was a legendary coxman. But to the extent (laughs) of which this dude was just... I mean, dude, Ben Franklin was fucking plowing his way throughout... New England, France. I mean, he <laughs> did it everywhere in between. So, to kind of dive into Ben Franklin. Everybody knows Ben Franklin on the $100 bill. Did the flying of the kite thing, which he most likely did not even do. So, everybody has like the little like children's cartoon version of what Benjamin Franklin was. The other side of old Big Ben was that... So, when the American Revolution was kicking off, we needed help from France. Needed them to, because there's no fuck. I mean, the kind of textbook knowledge of the American Revolution is that, well, a bunch of farmers just fended off the greatest military in the world. Bullshit. It was a bunch of farmers in combination with fucking France, who was like the only country at the time in Europe at least, that had any fucking shot at, you know, outmaneuvering Great Britain. France and Great Britain have a history of hating each other going back a fucking thousand years. Uh, With like the War of the Roses, Hundred Years War, all this shit. So, France wasn't exactly a hard sell. Like, it wasn't a hard sell for France whenever we came there. We, meaning Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson few other American diplomats came over to basically negotiate like, hey, will you come help us like fuck these dudes up? While there, the people of France fucking fell in love with Benjamin Franklin. He was like the Elvis of the, you know, late 1700s. Like that motherfucker was a rock star. Dude goes to France and just starts fucking everybody. Any woman he could get his goddamn hands on. <laughs> Dude is just plowing. Just back and forth, back and forth, up, down, left, right. The dude is like, he's like fucking his, like the daughters of the French diplomats who are like, he's supposed to be negotiating with these people, so you kind of want to leave a good impression. Meanwhile, it's just fucking, <laughs> just railing their daughters. Um, <laughs> and... Does so much fucking and hanging out in all these like brothels and shit uh, around Paris. 
He comes back to the U.S. with every single known STD. <laughs> and most likely had some of these STDs until the day he died. I mean, that motherfucker was like the damn Jim Morrison of of his day. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't wearing no rubbers in the 1700s. Um, so aside from him having just this crazy fucking sex appetite, he also is one of the funniest people ever. <laughs> and I'm putting him above fucking Carlin, Pryor, Chappelle, everybody. Benjamin Franklin was fucking hilarious. So Benjamin Franklin wrote this letter to one of his friends because his friend had a mistress um, and was basically asking Benjamin Franklin for advice because Benjamin Franklin fucking everybody. So who better to ask about, you know, having affairs than the fucking king of affairs? Benjamin Franklin, in his response of giving advice to this friend, was that, one, definitely have a mistress. <laughs> because, according to him, there are things you can do with your mistress you can't do with your wife. For sure. Most likely, he's implying anal. Um, and that there's a specific type of woman that you should have as a mistress. You should not have a young mistress according to benjamin franklin in his words <laughs> you should only have an old mistress because according to him older women are more discreet and are just happy you're showing them attention <laughs> he also said that women age from the <laughs> from the head down <laughs> so even though they might look pretty fucking rough in the face down going down things still look pretty good which from my experience uh, mostly true um he even said in these letters if you have to you could just put a bucket on their head <laughs> he's the i mean it's like the original like brown bag like brown bagging it um was basically invented by benjamin franklin <laughs> holy shit <coughs> and then to kind of um you know add a little bit more to uh old Benny um so Benjamin Franklin also I mean aside from the fact that he was you know a legendary uh dick slinger he also one of the most intelligent people probably in American history um I mean, with inventions, kind of like being on the forefront of a lot of scientific knowledge, having like an endless pursuit of, you know, intelligence and furthering his own intelligence and furthering what is possible for this new country. Everybody knows about the whole kite thing with electricity. Um, again, sort of not really his thing. But then everybody knows about bifocals, because if you watch National Treasure, Nicolas Cage uses those bifocals, blah, blah, blah. He also invented things that are a little less popular. One of which was that all the chairs at his dining table, one of the legs had a little pipe 
that went from the seat down the leg into his basement. The purpose of this pipe was so that you could just fart whenever you wanted to in these chairs and the <laughs> fucking fart air would travel down the pipe into the basement. Nobody has to smell it. <laughs> genius. Absolutely genius. Um, and farts in the 1700s had to be... Whew, God, that had to be rough. I mean, people didn't wash their asses for months at a time. So you're just like taking like a blowgun and shooting out, you know, six-month-old shit air. You know, not exactly the smell you want to have when you're eating like mutton or whatever the fuck people, you know, people ate back then. So there's one invention. He also just had a fascination with human anatomy. Obviously, <laughs> but to a point that is a little suspicious of what Benjamin Franklin might have, what Benjamin Franklin might have been doing in his pastime besides just, you know, slinging, uh, <laughs> dude might have been a mass murderer. <laughs> uh, jury is not out on that. So Benjamin Franklin's house, way I think way after he was dead, people were excavating you know, the fart basement and kind of digging under it and found the remains of over 20 dead bodies. <laughs> and now whether or not Benjamin Franklin put them there. So one, we don't know whether Benjamin Franklin put them there. They may have been there before. Very unlikely considering that he built the goddamn house. What's also not known is whether these people were alive when they went to Benjamin Franklin's house. Uh, what most people think is that him and a, that basically he had this friend who worked at a cemetery in Philadelphia and that he was basically using his friend to procure corpses and doing a little bit of grave robbing, uh, grave robbing in his day. So Benjamin Franklin had all kinds of STDs, including syphilis, most likely. You know, was playing with a kite, harnessed electricity, made a fart chair, and may or may not have killed over 20 people so that he could study the human body. <laughs> so Benjamin Franklin, fascinating son of a bitch. So now, moving on to the next one. This one is a little bit shorter. Um, it is the story of the Oneida Silver Company, which those three letters most likely have bored you out of your mind. I mean, those three words have already probably bored you out of your mind. Um, and you would think, how the fuck could the Oneida Silver Company be interesting at all? It isn't. The origins of the Oneida Silver Company <laughs> is fucking wild. So... The Oneida Silver Company started off before it was even a company. It was basically a group of people living in what they considered a utopian commune called Oneida. Uh, O-N-E-I-D-A. It is a sex cult. As most, most, I mean, sex cult, in a sense, is redundant. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never read about a cult where they weren't just all just fucking the shit out of each other. So, to call a cult a sex cult seems um, well, a little 
yeah, too much. But anyways, it was. It was a utopian sex cult where they did not believe in any sort of monogamy. Everybody was, you know, everybody's everybody's everybody. <laughs> um, one of the things that this sex cult did was basically people were initiated into the cult starting at about the age of 14 to initiate people into the cult and kind of teach them the ways they would take the oldest people in the cult and have them fuck the youngest people in the cult. So these 14 year olds starting usually about 14 year olds joining the cult are getting, and this is boys and girls. The boys are fucking these, you know, 50 year old women because they were less likely to give birth. Hilarious. Um, (laughs) so that's one thing that is fucking a bit creepy. Then there is, so basically everybody fucks everybody except for one person in the history of the community of Oneida. There's one guy who nobody wanted to fuck him. Nobody. And because this person was a bit of an asshole, a bit arrogant, and a bit obnoxious. Now, you may not know this person by name, but he did something pretty fucking wild. So the person that no that basically was banished from this cult was a guy named Charles Gateau. Charles Gateau was basically a dude who was highly delusional and used to campaign for President James Garfield pretty much unsolic I mean just like on his own decided like, oh I'm gonna go campaign for Charles Gateau, try to get him elected president. When he is elected president, he's going to make me the ambassador of America. (laughs) That is what he thought. James Garfield doesn't know who the fuck this dude is, but James Garfield becomes president. When Garfield is president, he starts getting these letters. Like his White House starts getting letters from this guy, Charles Guiteau, from the Oneida commune, saying, hey, you're president now. I used to give speeches on your behalf. Um, Where's my job? And they're all like, hey, dude, fuck off, man. Like, I mean, you got to, you know, you know, you got to apply through human resource. No. <laughs> but they're like, we're not giving you a fucking job. We don't even know who you are. And to be honest, you sound fucking nuts. So Charles Gateau just says, oh, okay, well, that's that. Um, good day, sir. Have a good one. Um, and then he shoots the president. <laughs> so Charles Gateau assassinated President James Garfield because he was not given the job that he never was qualified for and was never really asked to do uh, to work his way into after being excommunicated from the Oneida sex cult. So there's that weird fucking trajectory of the cult. The what If you recognize that name, Oneida, O-N-E-I-D-A, if you recognize that word in any way, it is most likely from seeing it on a spoon or a fork or a knife. Because Oneida, the sex cult, to basically you know, fund themselves, 
started buying like these silver mills. I mean, uh, steel mills. Started buying these steel mills. And turned it into like this silverware, steelware manufacturing company that to this day produces almost all like spoons, forks, knives that you would see at any restaurant. So next time you're at fucking Denny's tearing down a Grand Slam like uh, like I do, look on the back of a fork or a spoon or a knife and you'll probably see the word Oneda and think about the fact that they were all just fucking each other. <laughs> so there's that one. Last story is about um, a baseball player that most people are probably not going to know who this is. Is a baseball player named... So, to kind of back up, the golden age of baseball is considered to be about the 30s and 40s. Like pre-World War II, starting from like 20, late 20s to World War II. That's where you have Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, um, DiMaggio, I think, is a little sort of in that group. Um, Honus Wagner, I think, man, man, might be a little too young. I think Honus Wagner was a coach by then. But regardless, um, one of the players who was in like that era was a baseball player named Mo Berg. Mo Berg was a catcher for the Chicago White Sox. He ended up playing for like the Washington Senators. He is considered mediocre at best. Um, so you would think like, well, what the fuck would be so interesting about a mediocre baseball player that nobody really even knows who he is? Like nobody knows the name whenever they're thinking of like legends of baseball. Well, according to most people. He is known to be the strangest player in the history of baseball. And this is why. So Mo Berg was, by all accounts, a genius. In every level imaginable, a complete genius. He could speak 12 languages fluently. And even in like college at Columbia University, I believe, studied Latin, Greek, Spanish, French, Sanskrit, like all these like some popular, some super obscure, like archaic languages, became fluent in all of them, including five more later on. Um, he even was known to like speak, because he was a catcher for the Chicago White Sox. When he was a catcher, he was known to like speak Latin to some of, like to the second baseman, I believe, but the White Sox also could speak Latin. So like they would speak Latin to each other during games. Already kind of bizarre. Um, I mean, most baseball players are speaking Latin now, but, you know, a little bit different. <laughs> um, he, so is, I mean, is this genius, a, actually a decent baseball player, but nothing special. He also is just batshit crazy. Like, the dude is offered by, what's his name, Charles Comiskey? like Comiskey Park for Chicago White Sox is offered a contract by Comiskey. He's like, Hey, you got to show up for spring training, blah, blah, blah. You got to show up. Uh, yeah. For spring training at this date. And he's like, Oh, actually I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to just, I'm going to be studying for the bar exam from Columbia. And I'm probably going to just go ahead and pass the bar just so I can get that out of the way. And the dude's like, I'm offering you a chance to play in the professional in the fucking MLB for the Chicago White Sox. 
Granted, this is right after the Chicago White Sox are caught up in arguably the biggest sports scandal of all time. Uh, which happened in 1919. I think he was signed by the White Sox in, like, 23. So, yeah, understandable. But, yeah, he's like, mm, fuck spring training. He's like, I'll play for you. I'm not showing up to any of that bullshit. He's, like, kind of like the Allen Iverson <laughs> of uh, the 1920s baseball world. So, he ends up playing for the White Sox. While he plays for the White Sox, for some reason, he is offered to go to this like goodwill tournament in Japan, and this is in like, I believe in the thirties, early thirties. He's offered to go to Japan with Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and a whole team of like fucking golden age legends. And he, I mean, he was like the fifth or sixth alternate, and they just were like, eh, fucking send Mo Birds, weird ass there. When he goes, he brings a home movie camera. <coughs> Excuse me. When, so when he goes to Japan, he brings a home movie camera. And for some reason, goes up to like the tallest building in Japan and just starts filming the city of Japan, of, I believe they were in Osaka. I uh, know they, I think they were in Tokyo too, but it was like three or four different cities, I believe in Japan and just start filming the city for his own amusement. When he gets back, the U S intelligence service at the time, which I believe was called the OSS. So this is pre CIA, but this is the group that turned into the CIA. OSS is like, Hey, we heard you were filming the city of Japan like these cities in Japan, may we look at the footage? Because we we need to know what the fuck that place looks like for, you know, our own reasons. And he's like, all right, sure. Gives them the footage. So then they start basically like hiring him as a spy. <laughs> he goes from just being like the dude who has the footage to then being like, hey, would you like to become a spy for the United States government? <laughs> He's like, uh, fuck it. Why not? They find out he knows all these languages. He's, I mean, ridiculously smart. Um, at this time, I think he's also like becoming good friends with Albert Einstein. Um, actually, that was a little bit later. He becomes later. He becomes good friends with Albert Einstein because it's whenever he's playing in the for the Washington Senators at the time. Einstein, I believe, lived in Washington, so he just became friends because geniuses hang out with other geniuses. Um, so. Moberg gets hired to become a spy for the U.S. He goes to like Yugoslavia, all these different European countries as a spy. And he even, so like pre, uh, so this is like pre-World War II, kind of like in the beginning stages of World War II, he gets hired by, again, OSS, CIA, to go to Italy and basically just spy his way into finding out everything he can about the German rocket systems and what like atomic bomb level creations have been created by the Nazi Germ by Nazi Germany and like basically like spy on like Warner uh, von Braun like all these different like legendary you know. I don't even know what you call them, like a, not astronomers, just ask, whatever. Rocket scientists. Um, 
So he does all that. One of his missions <laughs> is he needs to go listen to this speech and like basically pretend to be a German citizen. Um, actually, I believe Swiss because they're uh, the speech is being done. I believe in Switzerland. So one of his missions is to go to Switzerland, listen to a speech given by um, Dr. Heisenberg, who at the time you know high high level uh rocket scientist um and his job is to find out have they created an atomic bomb because at the time we have not um so his job is to find out like where are they at that stage of creating an atomic bomb if in the speech heisenberg says we have made it his job is to <laughs> Get up and just shoot his ass <laughs> in front of him. Just get up with a pistol and just shoot him. If they haven't, then whew, come back home. So turns out they hadn't made one, so he doesn't shoot uh, Heisenberg. Comes back home, ends up uh, doing some other shit for the CIA. Nothing like crazy. And then even the CIA starts to be like, this motherfucker's wild. Um, so they kind of just leave him alone. He ends up living with his brother the, pretty much the rest of his life. Falls, has a fall at like 70 years old, dies. And that's it. Story of Mo Bird. Craziest human being to ever play baseball. Um, except for like, you know, Jose Canseco maybe. But, <laughs> all right. So, that being said, episode over. Goodbye. <laughs>